Hello, thank you for listening to this sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allow you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. And good morning, children. You are dismissed for Children's Church. Have a great time. Before we get started this morning, you can, if you would, take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Matthew, Matthew 6. We'll look at verse 13 as we continue our series entitled, Teach Us to Pray. We have this week and then we'll finish up next week. It's been a good series. It's been challenging for me. I hope it's been encouraging and challenging for you as well. Before we dig in um, this morning, I want to take a moment um, because tomorrow... Tomorrow is a special day for someone. Um, One of our um, dear, dear women is uh, turning 90 years old. Now, I'm not normally allowed to talk about women's ages, but when you get that old, um, you're allowed to, okay? Uh, Well-seasoned, Marie Louise Christopher um, turns 90 tomorrow. We love you. We're thankful for you. We want to sing to you. Uh, and so, would you stand up for us? And and Marie Louise, Aaron, or who's back there? Yeah, Aaron. I got the pink one real quick. Um, Marie Louise, do you have any words of encouragement or words of of wisdom that you would share with us? I know when you are 90, you really have to think of what, what to say and ask for and thank God that we are well mm. and can come to church and hear the word and sing the songs, which are so beautiful. Thank you, everybody. I have always loved it here. And my pastor is very special to me. And all of you are. Thank you so much. Thanks, Marie Louise. Would you sing with me after we... You have to stay standing. Standing until we're done singing. All right. We have to sing to you. All right. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Marie Louise. Happy birthday to you. Excuse me. She's 21. Angela will be 94 come the end of this month, right, Angela? So, 22. 23. Um, You know, it is a gift. Um, to be able to be around the people that have lived that long. And uh, I just encourage you, um, that's the beauty of what we have here at West Hill that a lot of churches don't have. And I hope you don't miss that, miss that blessing of being able to see one another on a Sunday morning and uh, to talk a little bit, but even to take time outside, go to lunch, go to coffee, and, and you may think, oh, well, I'm, I'm so introverted. I could never do that. Step out. Ask somebody to, to go to lunch, go to dinner. Um, I'm sure they would love it. It's, it's an awesome opportunity. It's one of the things that I've cherished the most of being here. I think it's really one of the blessings of being at a church for so long is to be able to walk through life with people, especially our, our seniors, and, and to hear of what they've gone through in life. 
and uh, it's really a blessing. Um, so today we talk about this section in the Lord's Prayer, and maybe you just read it, maybe you've just prayed it, and maybe it just it's something that doesn't stand out to you. Um, let me tell you, let me give you a little background. Uh, it, we'll read it here, um, Psalm, I mean, Matthew 6, verse 13, it says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Your version may say, from the evil one. We'll talk about that at the end here. But um, back in 2017, Pope Francis said that this is a mistranslation. That the way this is written, that it must be um, mistranslated into English. Unfortunately, I think he's really wrong. And I think it's something that we want to be able to neatly put into a box. And we're going to look at a couple passages, and we're going to have to wrestle through this. I'd like to tell you today that what I'm going to preach and what I'm going to share with you, I have it all figured out. I don't have all this figured out. Because there's some parts of this that just doesn't make sense. Um, but I will tell you, there are some parts that very much do make sense. And so as we look at this, uh, I just want to tell you up front that this is a hard passage. This is a hard verse. And so um, don't just gloss over it. I encourage you to dig in. Dig in, do some study of your own. And, uh, and, and we'll look at some of this. Uh, but this morning is just kind of like, um, it's just a little appetizer, okay? It gives you a little something to carry you over um, so that you can dig into the word hopefully this week. Um, Charles Spurgeon, uh, one of his sermons that I read through, um, one, of, one of the great preachers, he's uh, given the term the prince of preachers. Um, Charles Spurgeon kind of summed this up into three different uh, views of temptation, and he shared this um, back in the 1800s. He said, there are those who view temptation as one who is watchful. They're looking for that. They're, they're, they're aware that it's coming. The second is someone who is fearful, all right? And that, that reminds me, as he gave a little description, it reminds me of a Winnie the Pooh character called Piglet. Piglet was scared about everything, right? And he was always frightened and fretful. I apologize if all of my analogies are with children's things because I'm still a kid at heart. But Piglet was fearful. The third, he says, is those who are excited about temptation or those who would approach temptation and say, bring it on. And, uh, and, and, and he uses the analogy and it causes us to pause and to think and I think of some of you who have served our country in, in armed forces. And, uh, and, and so I think of those. And he says this, who likes to see dead corpses? It needs us to pause and to think about, are we excited about temptation? Um, no, I don't think we should be. And, and Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 12, he, he he causes us to pause and to, it's a warning. Those who are strong, take heed lest ye fall. Those of you who think that you are above or excited about this temptation that will come before us this day. So when we're praying this part of this prayer, 
it, it, it isn't with the, a view of, oh, I'm fearful that, that temptation is going to come across my way or I'm, I'm excited and I can't wait. Come on, bring it on. Um, it, it, it actually is uh, an, a mindset, a heart set that says temptation is very real and we will encounter it throughout our day, throughout our week, throughout all of our years here on this earth. And so how do we handle this text? How do we pray this part of the prayer? Well, it's very difficult. It says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. If you have your Bibles and you are willing to turn, flip over with me to the book of, of James. Because as I was preparing for this passage and this part of our prayer, my mind immediately went to the book of James and this phrase. Because while we're praying that God would not lead us into temptation, but that he would deliver us from evil, look what James has to say in James 1, uh, verses 12 through 13. Verse 12 of James 1 says this, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is fully conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Lead us not into temptation, but if we're tempted, we're not tempted by God. How do you answer that? So I start digging a little deeper, right? So let's look and see if the words that are used here are the same Greek words. So Matthew 6.13 is a word that we see it's used as temptation. So in James 1.13, that same word is used to and translated to be tempted. If you have your scriptures open, turn with me to Matthew 4 now, where we're going to look at another passage in Matthew 4, verses, verse 1, where it says, Then Jesus was led up by the spear into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And as the next verse says, and he was fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Um, there are some who, who that when, when, we, when they are tempted have said, you need to halt. Whenever you have a temptation or whenever you have something before you that you are, are um, unsure of, that you need to halt. Meaning you don't make a decision or you don't do something when you are A, hungry, when you're angry, when you're lonely, or when you're tired. And that's, that's pretty good counsel. And so what we see here is uh, the temptation of Jesus. We probably know that story. You probably heard that before where Jesus is led into the wilderness by the Spirit of God to be what? To be tempted. So how do we wrestle with that when James says, if we're tempted, do not blame God for our temptation. God will not... God. Cannot be tempted. So how do we 
read Matthew 4, verse 1, when we see that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. See, Jesus wasn't led to temptation. Jesus was obeying the Spirit of God and going where the Spirit of God led him. So don't say that Jesus was led to be tempted. Jesus was led to be obedient to the Spirit of God as the Spirit of God directed him. And as he was in the wilderness, he was tempted by the devil. So this verse here in Matthew 4.1, it's the same word that we see in James 1.13 to be tempted. Same Greek word. It's the same Greek word that we see in James 1.12, though, that is translated trial or tested. When we are under a test or a trial, let him hold fast. Or we've talked about this and before, to stay under that trial. Don't try to run away from it. Trials happen in our life. God allows them for a reason. Some may easily say, oh, well, God doesn't tempt us, but he allows Satan, the evil one, to do that. I think that's an easy explanation. I don't know if I would go um, that that clears every part of the muddy water, though. I think we want things cleared up, and we want them spick and span. We want to be able to put God in a box, and we want to be able to understand exactly everything. I think this is a difficult, difficult prayer to pray. God knows everything. He's all-knowing. God is also all-powerful, so he can control anything, anyone. We also see, though, that in that power, in that knowledge, in his supremacy, that nothing functions without his permission, his okay. So we look at the story of Job, right? For example, here's Job. Satan is wandering the earth looking for someone to attack, someone who would turn their back on God. And God says, have you considered my servant Job? Interesting. I've often thought about if those kind of discussions are happening this day, would God say, to Satan, hey, have you considered my servant Aaron? It's probably not something that Job would sign up for, but God knew Job. He knew his heart. He knew his strengths, but he also knew his weaknesses. God, in his all-knowing, knew what Job would be able to handle. I think of Joseph. The story of Joseph and his brothers. Here, God had chosen this man to come along and ultimately to help save the nation of Israel. That Joseph would be considered dead to his family for years and years. And then to be thrust upon the scene after much trial, after much testing, that he would come out and he would be the one who would deliver his family and ultimately provide for what would be the nation of Israel, the Jews. Trials and temptations, while sometimes overlapping, sometimes we can't make sense of them. 
Sometimes we can make a very clear sense of a temptation though, right? Let's be honest, all right? If, if you struggle with alcohol, you aren't going to walk into a bar and say, well, this is just a trial to see if I'm going to be able to not drink or not. There are some things that as we lay before us and as we walk through our daily life, it becomes very clear it is a temptation. And so as we read, we see that God is faithful. And so in those temptations, we see in 1 Corinthians um, verses, chapter 10, verse 13, that God knows there are times where we will be tempted. Is it he that tempts us to sin? No, it is not. I do not believe that God tempts us to sin. I think that God tests us. I believe that God allows things to enter into our life. Hardships, struggles, trials, difficulties. But this verse that we read here in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 it says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. Meaning what you will endure today, what you will endure this week is not uncommon to you. So don't you think for a moment that you are that special that nobody has ever encountered, encountered what you are going through. And then he continues, Paul says this. God is faithful. If we just pause there for a minute to ponder and to think of what that means. Am I always faithful? No. God is though, isn't he? God is faithful. And in the context, when there's temptation, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your own ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So because God is so faithful, he doesn't leave us on our own. He knows the struggles that we encounter every day. The temptations that are before us. So don't think that you are odd or that you're special in that sense of only being tempted in this one area. No, it's common to man. And in that, though, God knowing, sending his son Jesus, part of the theology that we believe that Jesus was tempted, but he, yet he did not sin. One of the great discussions that we had in our dorm after that study in that class of that day was, was Jesus able to sin? You wrestle with that. You think through that. Was Jesus able to sin? Well, he was tempted as one of us, and yet he did not sin. Could Jesus have sinned? I don't believe he could have. Why? Because he's fully God. And yet he was tempted like us. Don't sell it short. He, the temptation was placed before him. And just as we read, James tells us the progression of that temptation. So let's look at that again. As we look back 
to James 1. Verse 13 says, when one says he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. Let no one say that, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. Verse 14, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. There's personal responsibility here, but what do we like to do? We like to shift the blame. Go back to the garden. When Eve ate of the fruit, who did she blame? Who did Eve blame? Adam. Adam was put on the carpet, all right? And who did Adam blame? The serpent, right? We don't like personal responsibility. We always want to blame someone or something else. That's what James is saying here. You don't blame God. When you're tempted, you are lured and enticed by your own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Meaning there's progression. You're tempted. That temptation is born out of an inner desire to gratify what you want. And in that desire, you can give into it. And when you give into that desire, that breeds forth sin. And sin always leads to destruction, to death. To be tempted is not to sin. When David is on top of the roof looking out, gazing through over the night, there could be argument to say he should have been out battling with his boys. Instead, he was at the home front, not like a king should be. But as David's on his roof and looking, he gazes upon a beautiful woman. The sin is not there. The sin is when he is enticed by his desire of wanting her for his own. So does that say, well, you can look at God's beautiful creation and yet not touch? That was a saying that was used in college. Oh, I'm not coveting or I'm not lusting. I'm just admiring God's beautiful creation. It's pretty funny. Probably not healthy for us in our mind. So Jesus is our example of how we walk through temptation, right? When we see the passage and we explore it in Matthew 4, verse 1, we see that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Jesus' response each time is to twist what Satan has twisted, the word of God, and to use it for its proper use. Jesus has the word of God in his mind, in his heart. He knows part of it is because he is God, but he limited himself when he came to earth of some of the qualities of God. And yet here was Jesus, fully God, fully man, and he is fighting off the temptations that Satan has placed before him with the word of God. So as we face temptations each day, how will God deliver us? Deliver us from the evil one is the second part of this phrase in our prayer. Some 
translate this, deliver us from evil or deliver us from the evil one. What we see in a few other passages in John 17, it'll be up on the screen as well. John 17 verse 15 says this, I do not ask that you take them out of the world. This is Jesus's high priestly prayer. And he's talking about not only the disciples, but he's talking about us as well. He's praying for you and me. He says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Same word that we see in the prayer here in Matthew. From the evil or evil one. Jesus prayed for us. Second Thessalonians. Verse 3, Paul is writing, and he says, But the Lord is faithful, and he will establish you and guard you against the evil one. Same word, same Greek word. Isn't it wonderful to know God's promise here? As Paul is writing here to those who are in Thessalonica, to the believers, he says, The Lord is faithful. Wait a minute, I think we heard that phrase before, didn't we? Oh, that's right. Paul wrote that to the church in Corinth to remind them. So as we encounter our trials or even temptations, when we think about the faithfulness of God, we are not left alone. And so Paul is reminding the early church believers, remember that God is faithful. I think it stands in stark contrast to the person who James is writing about, the one who wants to blame God. Instead of blaming God, see that God is faithful. That the situation and circumstance that you are in, that God is, has been, and will forever be faithful. Because he is faithful, he will establish you, and he will guard you against the evil one. You are not left alone to battle this on your own. That's why we can pray, lead us not into temptation. Three keys that I think this allows us to look at this phrase. Number one, we need to avoid temptation. I think that's just common. Let's not blame God and say, okay, well, I asked God to deliver me from temptations, but, you know, I just happened to walk into this gentleman's club and, you know, I don't know what happened. Avoid temptations. Avoid sin. Number two, God leads his people. This phrase or this word leading, it, it actually is a draw. It, it's a reference back to a picture of how God leads his people in the Old Testament. God is viewed as one who will continue to guide and direct, leading the nation of Israel as they go from their land to Egypt. And he provides during the famine in Egypt. And, and they become so numerous and great. And ultimately, God delivers them from the tyranny of Egypt and sets them off on 40 years of a journey. And in that God continues to lead and to guide them and to provide for them and to protect them. 
even though they are at times rebellious, God is faithful. And so God continues to lead us. If you don't believe that, you need to examine the word of God. God leads. He directs. He orchestrates our lives. Some tragic news this week. If you have followed anything around our area. Early part of the week, um, there was a car accident down in uh, New Franklin. Um, Copley teacher and her husband were traveling uh, Cleveland Maslin Road, head-on collision, and they both passed away. Tragic. Later in the week, a Revere school teacher passed away. Richie Booth. Uh, I think some of our kids have had him. Um, Rich was special to me because I went to school with Richard down in Norton. We graduated the same class. We ran track together. We were in the band together. And uh, seven weeks ago, he had uh, um, diagnosed as a, a brain infection. And seven weeks later, he's gone. I, I, if I can be real here, if I can be frank, God directs our paths and God leads us. There are so many who are so fearful and scared of COVID-19 that they've missed the sight and, and how God is orchestrating and working in other areas of their life. God will call us home when he's ready to call us home. Should we use common sense? Yes. I've always said, God put you on your body ahead, on your shoulders, in there. While mine may be small, yours is probably bigger. There's a brain. God desires for us to use it. But in that using of it, we are called to seek him. To allow him to direct and to lead our lives. And so when we think about this aspect of praying, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Evil can be seen all around us. It's the opposite of who God is. Sin has its effect upon this world. And thus why we believe and what the scriptures teach us is that this world is not our home, but we want it to be. So often we're entranced and we're desiring this world. And so we can pray, Lord, deliver me from temptation. Lead me not in temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. I think it's been said this way, and I'll share it. I think it's a good illustration. Any of you who have ever had children or you've been a child, you may remember this, which, by the way, all of you have been children at one time. Some of us still are. I love the candy aisle. I love it. It's something that's wonderful. It's God's gift used to be when I was small, there was only like this section. 
And it was always at the checkout counter, right? Now they have like two aisles of candy. It's like, it's hard to decide. Any of you who have ever taken children down the candy aisle know at times it can be a struggle. The way I kind of have come to see this verse is where I can pray and ask the Lord, Lord, please don't take me down that candy aisle today. Because I know myself well enough to know I may throw a fit. I really will, will want something that I shouldn't have. Sometimes God allows us to go down that candy aisle, but he has not given us where he pushes the cart and you in it, and we're left all alone. We're actually right there with him as he's guiding it, pushing the cart, promising that he has given us everything that we need. As Paul put in Corinthians, he's given us a way of escape. And so as we think of God leading his people, know that there is a Lord who watches over us to protect us. I once heard a dad praying for his children. And I remember praying similar prayers. Lord, protect my kids. Uh, When we took them to elementary school, uh, we would pray every day on the way to school. And I remember praying, Lord, protect Lene, protect Marissa, protect Zach. But I heard a dad who once said that I don't pray for my kids to be protected. I pray for my kids' heart to be stronger. And that sunk with me. That's something that stood with me. Lord, help me to be stronger. And so there are times that trials or hardship or even a wrong decision on my part will happen. But yet God allows that in his goodness. Why? To make us stronger. To make you stronger in your faith, not in and of yourself, not so that you may boast, surely not, so that we can look at the faithfulness of God. Last verse to look at here. This verse, or this section of the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6.13 actually is similar to a verse that we read in Psalm 141, a Psalm of David, where David prays this, do not let my heart incline to any evil, to busy myself with wicked deeds in the company with men who work iniquity, and let me not eat of their delicacies. Similar to what we just saw as Jesus is teaching his followers, this is how you are to pray. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Temptation is not a sin, but in order to sin, you must be tempted. And then you give over to that temptation and your desire. 
Would you stand with me and would you pray with me in its fullness, the Lord's Prayer? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that we can call upon you that we can see that you are a faithful God. That we can see the evidence of you leading and guiding in our life in the past. And we can read it in your word. And we can take confidence to know that you will continue to be there to guide us and to direct us. Lord, as we pray this section, as we learn to pray... Lord, I wonder if this section of prayer is more of a reminder to us that we are not above sin or conquering sin. If it's a reminder maybe of, of your sovereignty and you delivering and directing and guiding each person. And yet maybe it's also a great reminder for us that you are the deliverer. Through your son, Jesus, you delivered us from the bondage of sin. You've redeemed us. You've set us free so that we may enjoy eternity with you. Lord, as we look at how we live here and now until that day that you call us home or until you return, Lord, may we continually be reminded that you can deliver us now from evil and from the evil one who seeks to destroy us. Help us to not take lightly sin. Help us to see its effect as we Saul and James, that when we are tempted and we allow our desires to take over on us, we sin and thus sin leads to death, which is destruction. So may we be quick to once again confess our sin and to trust you, that your ways are good, that your ways protect us, that what you call good is good and what you call sin is sin. Help us not to flirt with temptation or with sin. And so we pray, Lord, this day, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And we will trust that you will continue to be the God of your word. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated.